you are now listening to the black print podcast stay tuned hey listeners welcome 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 to the black print podcast yo welcome to the black print podcast you know it is already no a in the black no i in the print keep it locked sit down get comfortable because you're now listening to the black print podcast come on peace blessings and wisdom to all the listeners and viewers i'm gassed to introduce to you the black print podcast yo welcome to the black print podcast you ready let's go What's going on, people? Black Print Media Podcast back with another episode. Hope you're all having a fantastic start to the week. It's weird saying that on the weekend previous to when you'll be hearing this pod, but, you know, scheduling and that. Aisha, how are you doing? I am good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I always, I never know what to say when I'm asked this question, because it's generally the same answer, particularly during these COVID times but yeah I'm good I'm looking forward to summer ahead lots of like planning going out and stuff which is nice um I'm just hoping that the weather behaves mm. I mean if there's one thing that the British love to talk about it is the weather but <laughs> the weather does always uh it does always give us things to talk about it's never the same it's never predictable Indeed. So, how about you Byron? yeah I'm all right I'm all right like you enjoy, like the weather has turned up a little bit um so yeah man can't complain can't complain all is well i've got a few motives lined up two two weddings and that so yeah man looks like everyone's back into the social habits <laughs> somewhat still waiting to go to the clubs though so boris don't even think about moving at 19th of july deadline otherwise it's beef yeah but do you think this whole you know all this celebration and the Euros 2021 well okay it's Euros 2020 delayed so it's taking place in 2021 I hate when they say 2020 that throws me off and but um, some people are thinking are we sacrificing like the 19th of July for the sake of the Euros um I mean I don't think so I wouldn't say we shouldn't have done this for the Euros but at the same time, I don't care what happens, open up on the 19th of July. I don't care if there's a spike, it is what it is. If you got it, it's mm. late, but I need, I need to go out. The clubs are calling. Yeah, if it, if it comes home, um, they'll definitely let us out, man. They can't keep the nation inside while the trophy is at home. No, it's impossible. Mm. It's impossible. Uh, but we'll come on to the Euros anyway. Um, so, yeah. This podcast, we're doing things a little bit differently. This week, we are going to have a little recap of the week that has just passed. And so Aisha and I have both picked out three kind of news stories that we both want to have a little discussion about. So, I mean, I'll kick off because there's only one real way to start, really. And that's Love Island. Oh, uh, see, you thought I was going to talk about England. <laughs> <laughs> love Island on Monday. Come on. All of us Love Island enthusiasts were actually given quite a big decision to make, actually, because the debut episode, the premiere, was at the same time as the France-Switzerland game in the Euros. And I don't know about you, but me, 
I was told, I was watching a France game. It was 1-0 to Switzerland, I believe. And at that time, Love Island was starting. So I was like, oh, do I, what, do I, what am I doing here? Like, what am I doing here? I was, I was messaging the group chat, lads, what are we doing? Are we watching Love Island? No one was really giving me any concrete direction. <laughs> but I was like, you know what, let me go to Love Island. So yeah, I started watching it. Aisha, I know he's watching too. What did you think of the premiere episode? Well, yeah, so I didn't have that dilemma, even though I had been watching the football, mainly just been when England were playing. So I just, I settled in to watch Love Island. I'm not going to lie, it was quite dead. Um, And since Mm. the past week, I've been prioritising other things over Love Island. I've heard it's picking up though, a little bit of drama, so I might tune back in this week. Um, But... And again, you might not want to stay on this too long, but we had the Love Island's view of diversity, one black guy, one black woman, and one mixed race guy, um, or mixed between like Afro-Caribbean and like white. Um, and it was just painful watching the black woman not get picked. And I feel like it's repeated again. Mm. Same old, same old. I think I know what your view has been on, has been consistent. But mine has changed with regards to diversity on Love Island. So before I was like, no, yeah, diversity, we need diverse candidates. Um, Love Island is different. It's a different setup and formula to something like first dates, for example. So it's important we have representation. Now I'm like, you know what? I can actually do without representation on Love Island because it's just too mm. difficult. <laughs> I mean, it's all well and good having diversity if then you just have people in there that don't appreciate look yeah i just i'd rather it just be all white women and lads from Essex, wherever they might be from you know super toned and, and all five eight and all got abs i know what i'm tuning in for some you know some trash tv with people shouting at each other and asking to come mm. a chat i don't have to think about it any more than that but. yeah 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 i think you raised um it in conversation the other day that like Love Island have obviously been trying to increase the diversity of skin tone in the house, but not necessarily making sure that those other islanders have any sort of preference for those outside of mm-hmm. white, blonde, blue eyes kind of thing. <laughs> so I saw a, I saw a um, Twitter clip of this like the the latest twist in the house so they were doing a recoupling um and two guys were left without a woman because the women were picking so there were two guys left there so one of them was going to get eliminated but like the twist was that a new bombshell was coming into the house um and I think this bombshell, I don't know if she was going to pick one of them straight away or she was going to go out of two dates or whatever, but this bombshell was black. Um, and I was thinking, mm, this is interesting, because if neither of these two brothers like black girls, like, obviously, like, this girl could have been white brunette and maybe one of, maybe both of them liked white blonde, so they don't like her just because of that. But it was interesting to see, mm, I don't think I've ever seen, like, the bombshell come in and her be black. I think I think they've always been white from memory anyway. Yeah. So I was thinking, hmm, this is an interesting little thing. Like I wonder 
how this is going to play out. But yeah, man, like my opinion on this, I couldn't care less if there's like, if there's no black people. I'm actually gassed when there's no black people. I'm thinking, yes, I don't need to do social justice warrior on Twitter. Like, I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to read these long think pieces about like how like black people are represented in TV shows and dating shows and all these. Like, I'm kind of, I'm at peace with Love Island just doing the whitewash thing. I'm actually very comfortable with that. Um, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. What I wanted to why why I wanted to raise Love Island, obviously it was a premiere um the week just gone, but um you mentioned that the first episode was kind of dry. This premiere has had the lowest viewing figures for a few for the last few seasons. Um, I think the last time it was this low was I think 2017 it's premiere. Oh, who was um, 2017? Do you remember? I can't remember. I think that might have been season two or three, perhaps. Okay. Maybe it was season three because um season three. Maybe it was season two actually. Maybe it was season two. Um, but I'm not completely sure. But um yeah, it just goes to show that, like, maybe, like, to be fair, the articles that I did read counterbalanced it by saying it was also on at the same time as the France-Switzerland game, so maybe people had, like, diverted attention. Yeah. But still, I feel like the major viewership of Love Island are probably not also football fans. I may be being unfair there, but I feel like there's a sizable majority of people that watch Love Island that don't especially mm. want to tune into a France, Switzerland, European. Like, if it was an England game, then maybe, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I would have no idea. If it was <laughs> it but, yeah, France, Switzerland probably played a part. What else could have played a part? It just looked, the people going in, like, even amongst the all-white candidates, they all look like, a lot of them look like carbon copies of each other. It's the same look, you know. Like lip fillers, blonde hair. Like, so you can't, I don't know, maybe it's just run its course, Love Island. Like we know what we're getting. Mm, yeah. And I think perhaps as well tied in with that is probably the competition from other similar shows across different channels and streaming services. So a lot of people have started to watch uh, Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. Um, and yeah, I've seen that. That's been getting like rave reviews as well. So perhaps people are just like, yeah, you know what, don't really need this Love Island stuff anymore, especially if it's on at the same time as other things that I might want to watch. Yeah, exactly. So. But yeah. Okay, that's my uh, pick one. So over to you. Is it? Okay. My pick, oh gosh, like, I'm going to try and go like in and out because yours was like just quite upbeat in that. <laughs> my pick, next pick. So on, um, it's to do with Canada Day. And on the 1st of July, uh, Canada was celebrating Canada Day. However, this year, the celebrations were quite muted. So you may may not have heard there have been in the past few weeks, possibly months, um, some discoveries at uh, some of Canada's formal residential schools of unmarked mm. grade. Um, so for those that may not know, under like, British colonial rule and Queen Victoria, uh, these residential schools were set up and indigenous, so First Nations and Inuit people, oh, that's what they're called in Canada, I hope I've said that correctly, um, were sent to these residential schools as a way to force them to assimilate into 
what we now call Canadian culture, but at the time, like white European um, culture, they had to learn the language, they couldn't practice their religions, they weren't allowed to speak their own language, and, so, and they were taken mm. away from their families. And what's come out recently is that loads, there's been loads of unmarked graves found that's thought up to 6,000 children died, like through malnourishment, being beaten, all of that. And so there were protests on Canada Day, um, basically saying there's no pride in genocide. And part of the protest, um, they took down the statue of Queen Victoria that's in Winnipeg, I think, um, in Canada. So, I mean, I know there's uh, obviously we know from like last year and Black Lives Matter protests that the taking down of statues gets very mixed response. Um, I personally am, I'm for it in the sense that statues sim tend to symbolize like, oh, like this is a great person that we need to remember or a great period of time. I don't think, I think when we take down a statue though, we need to kind of document why that's been taken down. So whether that be in a museum, I just don't think we could, we should get rid of that history, but I think it's shone mm. a light on it. Um, and so I say, I'd say I'm quite supportive of that. Um, but interesting, it'd be interesting to get your views. Yeah, I think as well as taking down the Queen Victoria statue, I think they took down a one of Queen Elizabeth II as well. Yes. Um, so yeah, do, do you know how, how long ago kind of reign of Queen Victoria was kind of when, when for basically how long those unmarked graves have been? So the schools shut, the last of the schools shut in the 1970s. So, you know, that's like our parents' lifetime. Mm. They started um, the exact date, it was 1700s, I think it was late 1700s. Um, hold on, I'll give you the exact date. Um, let's just say late 1700s, because now I can't find mm. it. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, so exactly when Queen Victoria, up until what point Queen Victoria was in power, I'm actually not sure. Gosh, this is a real history lesson, isn't it? <laughs> that we're um, failing at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I think the, 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 main, the only reason I was asking is just to kind of get a sense of how long families and um and those and even historians have gone without knowing like the the true extent of what had happened and that their precise details like that's a huge amount of time and a huge number yeah. of people um in your culture that have just gone missing and been killed and all of those sorts of things without a trace um and it's really quite shocking in terms of the statues situation um i like you feel that statues are usually symbolic of something that you're proud of so like you wouldn't usually put up a statue you wouldn't erect a statue of something that you're not really happy about or have kind of <clears throat> negative uh, connotations towards like usually it's because you're proud of that thing so um i think if you are no longer if public consciousness has changed towards that bit of history, I think that you should be within your rights to kind of not uphold yeah. or not like present it like 
full, full in full force really but, but at, like at the same time I do feel that, that you shouldn't just remove parts of your history that you're not p- proud of because it is part of your history and to some degree it has kind of shaped yeah. what the situation is currently and I think in the UK to draw an example I think with the Edward Colston statue in Bristol that's probably one of the kind of most notable statue removals of <clears throat> of the last year or so um i think they have plans to put it back up or at least put it back up in a museum um where it's accompanied with a kind of explanation as to kind of who edward colston was and the situation last year and why it was like so controversial that sort of thing and i think that is a a a good move i mean yeah. the statue is there now <laughs> so unless they're going to like break it down and use like the materials and recycle it for something else that could probably be a, a useful use of yeah. what's already there but i think aside from that yeah i think um some sort of explanation as to like the truth rather yeah. than like this was a great man who did great things um is is what's needed yeah, no, exactly. And just going back to the time period, so another source uh, actually says that this between 1863, so the schools might have started before, but between 1863 and 1998, so even more recent than 1970s, more than 150,000 Indigenous children were taken from their families and placed in these schools throughout Canada. So where the Queen Victoria statue is taken down in Winnipeg, I think maybe their final like residential schools shut in the 1970s but this was still going on after that um and 150,000 that's a lot of children I mean think about just former generations that are lost because mm. of that, uh, you know future generations that were lost because of that um so yeah, yeah that's crazy. Really it up in regards to the statues I agree mm. take it down and put it in a museum with the rightful context but what I think where a lot of people get really defensive over this is because a lot of countries, like certain countries' history has been very much, the term is like whitewashed. And so bringing all this to the fore about actually how you became such a great nation, like off the backs of other people, makes people mm. feel uncomfortable. Um, and... But I mean, it's conversations that have to be had, right? And it is what it is. <laughs> oh dear. Cool. Okay. What's your second pick? Okay, so so all of mine are ha- happy. Like, is it, we're we're clearly <laughs> there's clearly a divide here about <laughs> how we digest news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, my second one reverts back to the Euros. And obviously, it's coming home. And England did an absolute mazine. Well, I say a mazine, like, I was very confident that England were going to win. And I am very confident that England are going to win the tournament as a whole. But putting that to one side, um, our opponents on Wednesday in the semifinals are Denmark. And Denmark have had a very interesting tournament themselves because their first game was hampered in extreme circumstances so their captain leader talisman christian erickson um went into cardiac arrest during the game um thankfully it seems like he's very much on the mend now and he's up and about and smiling taking pictures all, all of this stuff i think he's had a um i can't remember what they call it but 
when you have like a, a machine or some sort of electronic or device yeah your heart. you mean um pacemaker no i think that's like the colloquial term for it but yeah basically that i think yeah. um he's had fitted so i think yeah he's definitely on the recovery now um but things weren't looking good at the time and i think everyone connected to the denmark national team whether that be the players, coaches, and or fans, and or fans, um, were extremely distressed at the time. Yeah. I thought a ludicrous decision was made to continue the game after like an hour or hour and a half or whatever it was. I thought they should have scrapped the game and just replayed it another, another day or just called it a draw. Um, but what do you think about that? What would like you have done in? That's a good point, actually. So I, um, cause I remember seeing the clip and it was just really scary because he's, he, you know, he's someone that you say is super fit and healthy. Um, but also just thank goodness the quick thinking of the referee, like getting people on the pitch in time, because any delay could have, he could have mm. ended up dead. But yeah, it was really scary to see that clip of him collapsing on the pitch. Now that you've said that, I think my response would have been to just call the game a draw. I don't know what the score was at that point, but even if, okay, I can see how it could get tricky. Like if one team were three nil up at that point, then do you just call mm. it there? Then the other team could argue, well, no, we might have scored or, and you couldn't call that a draw. But I think if it was nil nil at that point when he collapsed, um, I would have just called it a draw just out of like respect for not just him, but the team and his family um, and also the nation and Denmark fans mm-hmm. um, rather than replay it another day because then the argument could be it's different circumstances for whatever reason one team that was doing really well might not all of a sudden be up to scratch and they could argue that it's unfair yeah so Mm -hmm. well yeah as he's it was it was no no at the time um and yeah they replay i think they got going again an hour and a half later from the point at which the game stopped um and yeah the the opponents finland eventually scored and they won one now um so yeah i just thought like not to say that the finnish players and fans and all those connected watching that game weren't also affected because yeah i doubt that they wouldn't have been um but i feel like it would have been a different level with the denmark players especially as it was their captain and like their best player so yeah man that was tough so they lost their first game but since then they've turned that kind of tragic incident into very much a motivating factor and i think the the crowd have played a huge huge part in kind of uplifting the players and coaching stuff and everything to get back on on course and they've just been churning out some unbelievable performances man and you just have to take your hat off to to how they've managed to inspire themselves and use what happened as like serious motivation to push forward and to achieve something yeah so well, yeah man it's a fairy tough story inspiration but your inspiration stops on wednesday denmark so. yeah i like sorry sorry yeah denmark like i rate everything you're doing <laughs> but you know we, we have to done your dance on wednesday in it like just <laughs> make peace with going out in the semi-finals and just come and lay down oh an achievement that's still, you know so um yeah no but it's been watching the england game yesterday four nil against ukraine I have to be honest, I was watching it sceptical that, I don't know, I thought it would go to extra time and then penalties. Uh, you said that it would be 3-1, I think. 
Um, but yeah, so England came out very much on top. Well done, well done, lads. I'm even I'm even sad that I that I doubted that England would concede. Like it's too light. I was telling you it's too light for England. Ukraine, you know. Ukraine. Come on, man. So yeah, I expect us to get to the final in a in a breeze. It's all because one of the Ukrainian players went to kneel at the beginning in support of that. <laughs> and one of them went so he stood up. That is why. That is why they lost. It might have been a more competitive game for them if they'd taken the knee. Listen, if, if you didn't spot that on BBC when you're watching the game, just go back and watch the game. Just watch like 10 seconds before the kickoff. And you see all the England players go down to the knee. You see one brother on the Ukrainian side just do a little, a little. I don't even know what he was doing. His knee, his knee was just buckled like it was going down. His knee was buckling. Looks around. <laughs> he looked around, and then he just stood back up. He was like, "Nah, nope. I'm not having the president of Ukraine come after me after this game. Nope." L. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was only right that they held a spanking. Um, but yeah, we move England, Denmark on Wednesday. Make sure you're watching that. Denmark, good luck, but just don't do anything silly, man. Don't do anything silly. Come on, the lads. Come on, it's coming home. It is definitely. So yeah, that's my second news item. Maisha, take it away. Well, on the similar vein of international competition, mine is related to the Tokyo Olympics, which are starting... I think it's the 23rd of July, I think, yeah. Um, but in relation to that, it comes back to, you know, diversity. But this is somewhere where, I, like, no, diversity is important. It's not no Love Island thing. <laughs> so you may or may not have heard, listeners, that um, a company called Soulcap um, had, had launched, I mean, they've been in production for a while, now, um, swimming caps, particularly for Afro hair. So if you are a swimmer, you might be aware of how tight the swimming caps can be on your head and just how difficult uh, they are to get on. I mean, I used to swim when I was younger. My hair is quite um, it's mixed between Afro and European. It was never, to be honest, the volume of my hair was a problem. I've just got a big head, so getting them on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then my mum used to be an Afro. Get them on, like, particularly when I was young. I started swimming from about five. My mum's hand would always get caught underneath the cap between my head, her knuckles, and me. <laughs> it was just all, like, traumatic. Anyway, so standard swimming caps just aren't big head friendly or and then if you've got a lot of hair it's just not a lot of hair voluminous mm, hair just, just a mess all around yeah so soul cap have uh, created fabulous uh, swimming caps that are big enough to get over like a lot of hair so braids afro you know whatever it might be and fully protect it make sure it doesn't get wet um because the other thing is what a lot of people of African Caribbean heritage have had to do previously is slick their hair down with loads and loads mm. of gel to get the swimming cap on but then because of the two textures against each other it would easily come off and then your hair gets wet mm. and you don't want that chlorine in your hair it damages it um anyway so they've did soul cap have designed these uh, caps for swimmers with natural black hair and they've been banned from Tokyo Olympics and they've been banned um because the 
the belief is elite swimmers up until this date haven't required the caps. And um, that was one of their main um, reasons, which I think just goes to show the lack of diversity in swimming. Okay, yeah. so swimming for lots of reasons um, is not very diverse, particularly at um, international standard, but create the doors and the options for people of different backgrounds to enter it. And now yeah. what you're doing is you're making it, you're highlighting that it's not inclusive and you're creating further barriers just because no one before at this level has needed a swimming cap like those created by soul cap it doesn't mean people won't going forward um <laughs> so it's just like it's when i saw the reasoning for it i was just so shocked because i'm like uh, come on you must hear the words come out of your mouth like do you not see the issue um <laughs> what are your initial thoughts it's just dumb. It's actually just dumb. Like when I first saw the story, I was just like, this is just stupid. I was I was actually keen to see the reasoning. And when I saw the reasoning, like it just made me laugh. Like I shouldn't obviously be laughing because it's not funny, but just the stupidity of it all is just perplexing my head. Like it just reminds me of so <laughs> made this one, but it just like imagine like in 100 meters, yeah, all of your 100 meter runners, like winners over the last few olympics were like size 10 and then like this other brother comes and he's like size 11 yeah and he's like yeah like i need i need running spikes for size 11 in it and they're like well boy none of the other runners are in size 11 so we can't even make you these these size 12s over these size 11s you know like that like does that make any sense just make the tea, innit? Exactly. <laughs> like, and they don't even have to do anything. It's been made. They're just asking for the <laughs> approval for it to be used at that level of sport. But so just, just, I'll take the direct quotes. So the International Swimming Federation said the caps made by the black-owned British brand Soul Cap do not, and I quote, fit the natural form of the head, end quote, and to their, quote, best knowledge, athletes competing at the international events never used, neither require caps of such size and configuration. It's just quite simply outrageous. Um, and all on top of that, we've got Alice Deering, who is the first black swimmer to represent Great Britain at the Olympic Games this year. And it's just, it's shameful and it just goes to show that you know while things might be getting better we still got a lot of work to do mm. you said the soul cap company were uh british yeah cheese <laughs> cheese yeah. but yeah like and it if, doesn't if you... go on, go on, go on. I was just going to say, it doesn't set like a good like, example for young black swimmers looking to get into a sport because there are lots no. of reasons, historical as well, that we won't, I won't go into in depth, that black people, you know, don't take up swimming as much as they might take up other sports. And it's important that that begins to change. Um, but yeah, and this doesn't, it doesn't mark it as an inclusive sport and people, young swimmers looking at this and seeing this story might think, well, it's not really a space where people like me are welcome, so. Yeah, exactly, that's the thing. Like this, this move almost, you can say that it's actively um, putting barriers in the way of um, African Caribbean people or those with such hairstyles that um, don't fit the European norm. Like it's 
it's this is a bla the most blatant example of institutionalized yeah. racism <laughs> if you ever needed an example this is the one that you draw for if you ever need it in a debate yes. um but yeah Mazine. Okay, what's your number three? Okay, my third and final one. This one is a bit of a mad thing. I found out about this today. Do you know who Belle Gibson is? No. <laughs> Belle Gibson, you know, number one swindler, prime fraudster. Um, Belle Gibson. Um, Mel um, or Belle? Belle. B-E-L-L-E, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me tell you what Belle Gibson's been up to on the streets, yeah? So Belle Gibson, some of you might know her as well, but she was like one of the first, like what they call super influencers on Instagram. And she built up her following in 2013, 2014. You're going to try Insta her now, you might not see anything because she deleted their stuff, but I'll tell you why in a bit, yeah? So, <laughs> so... <laughs> She um, is a wellness, or was a wellness, like, blogger, basically. Um, and her thing was that she had cancer. Um, and she was told that she only had, like, a few weeks to live. Oh, wow. Um, eventually, but, but she beat the cancer and differing forms of it through wellness. So through eating clean and exercise, mainly through the eating clean bit. Okay. So she was documenting her journey on Instagram. Um, she came out with a, an app and eventually a book called, uh, what was it? <gasps> the Whole the whole Pantry, I think it was called. Stop spoiling the story. I've just searched that. Anyway, sorry, come on. So yeah, she came out with an app and a book called The Whole Pantry and she was marketing this everywhere. Like obviously her story was quite inspirational. Like she's she had cancer, she's beaten it through wellness and all of these things. And I think during her during the years, um, she was documenting also her visits to the hospital. So she was saying, like, yeah, I've gone to the hospital and like they've told me that I'm like either on the mend or she's saying like she just had a, a bit of treatment and she's feeling down or whatever. So she was very like active. Um and yeah, people who are not only going through their own medical challenges but also just people from the outside looking in which thinking she's so inspirational I can learn so much um I want to kind of improve my well-being so I follow her tips because obviously things are working for her um but things weren't working for her why weren't they working for her because she didn't actually have cancer she was gassing oh, the whole time yeah. so, <laughs> she was chatting shit and not any about having cancer she, but she, no, but she did it, not just that she said, I've got cancer, her inoperable brain cancer. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't go for, for, she didn't go for cancer light, not no diet cancer. She was going for the heavy hitting, I'm going to die soon, like, it's peak time. And so you're about to, and she claimed to cure this through her healthy eating. Oh my, I'll let you finish, sorry. I've got so many issues with it. Listen, it was peak, it was peak. So there's there's a BBC, if anyone wants to know, kind of know more about this there's a bbc free documentary on it um <clears throat> but yeah so people who were also going through um stages of cancer themselves were turning down medical treatment 
because they'd seen Bell Gibson's posts and were inspired and motivated and empowered to kind of use well-being as a mechanism to get better rather than kind of following doctor's advice. Um, it may come as a surprise to you that they didn't get better by following Bell's advice and they eventually got worse, like, because they weren't using, um, they weren't accessing all of the nutrients that a variety of food groups give you. They were just literally like focusing narrowly on Bell's advice and the specific things that she ate and copying it. So they weren't getting the nutrients that they needed to improve. Um, and yeah, just a whole host of just terrible things came out of Bell's activities. Anyway, um, the reason, so she eventually got caught because people were thinking this is just too good to be true. One journalist was thinking, uh, why is there no record of this woman before 2013? Um, so he started doing a bit of digging and that. Um, and yeah, found that she's just a compulsive and pathological liar. Um, and a lot of the, pro she, she said that the proceeds from like the sales of her book and the sales of her app would go to charity. They won't go to charity. Um, so so um, that's what the authorities got her on. Um, so she owes, I think, because I think she was supposed to so go on. Where were the proceeds going? She was just pocketing it. Yeah, just pocketing it. I'm going going to Zara and that splurging. Um so yeah, I think she she was fined, I think, two hundred and forty thousand pounds by the authorities for breaking like consumer law and stuff, because obviously she's just trying to shit saying it's going to charity when it's not. Um or now she hasn't paid that, she's gone off the grid, like deleted bare stuff from socials and Still stuff. in Australia. Yeah, I think so. I think the latest um, kind of intel is that she might be a teacher somewhere or something. Um, what? And on the documentary, it says that she... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's inspiring the, the youth of today. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this? Because It's outrageous! It's outrageous because, I mean, you get pathological lies in all walks of life, but she would have known that through her influence, she is potentially endangering others. Now, obviously, I mean, other people have to take responsibility for doing well-rounded research, but if you are someone, and just as you were talking, I was looking up some stories of people that like, followed her, someone that was going through chemo for months and was feeling all forms, just really looking for a way out, feeling hopeless, they see this, she had inoperable brain cancer and she's miraculously cured and living her best life, looking amazing, then you're probably going to think, you know what, I need to try something different, I'm going to do what she's doing. Um, and then getting worse through doing that and not, you know, taking your doctor's advice. So, I mean, it's one thing to lie, but it's a, when you lie, you put other people's lives at risk, it's, it's disgusting. Mm. Um, yeah, I just think, I mean, it's another example of like Instagram is not, Instagram is like any other form of media, right? Things can be heavily edited and curated mm. to look a certain way when they're not. And that hurts is an example of the extreme. Um, but yeah, for real. Yeah. For real. So yeah, man, Bill Gibson was doing a magazine. And the thing is as well, <clears throat> What, one thing that I would say is that kind of healthy eating and kind of improving your diet and that thing, they're all good things. And I think generally, like, I think there are definitely benefit, not 
not benefits, but there are, def I'll use benefits for one of a better phrase. Like there are some sort of benefits that improving your diet can do to your body that will reduce yeah. the risk of you um, developing yeah. ailments generally. Um, but <laughs> like, firstly, you need a healthy balanced diet. Secondly, like to act, to categorically disregard medical advice because of someone that you've seen on the gram yeah like yeah it's questionable it's very questionable and I would not advise that at all and it's just so sad to see those people who had basically put in faith in her um find out that she was lying and then have to kind of rethink all of the decisions that they've made for their own personal health over the last however long they've been following her and have to kind of row back on some of those because yeah it's just like you've you've made huge life decisions based on a lie it's actually just tragic bad, man it's tragic you said all of yours are positive no no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that is bad anyway it brings me to mind actually is positive for all my people out there that are like me and want to combat any signs of aging so whether that's because you've got a 10 steps no. or whatever it might be religiously lose spf every day like that should be a basic even if that's the only thing you put in your face mm. but, yeah anyway mm. this one is not actually to your skin it's to do with your hair and so stress as we might know can accelerate gray hairs but scientists have recently discovered that hair color can be restored when stress is eliminated. Now, this doesn't apply if you're 70 years old and you've already got a full head of grays. Like you pass the threshold, your hair's gray. No, what this, <laughs> what this um, applies to is if you have, like you're at a certain age where you're kind of bordering on the threshold, let's say like you're middle-aged, like in your 40s or 50s, whatever you want to call middle-aged these days, and you're going to start getting grey hairs, but it, you're pushed over the edge, you live in a stressful lifestyle. If you then reduce the production of stress hormones in your body, new hair growth won't necessarily be grey. So hair doesn't turn grey once it's grown out of the follicle. It's already grey like before it even grows. Um, and then once it grows, it's already grey. Yeah, before it grows, mad. It's gonna have grey hairs. Yeah, it doesn't just turn like existing hair that's grown out of your head doesn't just turn grey, according to these scientists. And I mean, they know more than I do. But what it has made this so it's a study um, um, from Columbia University Medical Center. But what has made this so profound is they believe it's an indication that aging isn't just linear. I and mean, we might have be able to temporarily reverse aging in other forms like so not just like benjamin button thing <laughs> no, not, but and just highlighting that a lot of aging is very much stress induced so minimize your stress people i mean i don't, i get stressed easily so i get stressed by people i get stressed on public transport anyway so i have to focus on my breathing minimize your stress you look young as long as possible i won't say forever so listen as aisha saying stress like just eliminate that and you can drink from the fountain of youth forever <laughs> um <laughs> that's just but, one factor don't don't, don't listen <laughs> it's not just stress obviously there are loads of things that contribute to aging or and a healthy lifestyle stress is just one factor that if you eliminate can have good health 
benefits and anti-aging benefits. Just making that. Mm. <laughs> the thing is about stress, though, I feel like life is stress. Like I don't think you'll ever be able to eliminate it. All you can do is just reduce, I guess, the the things that you can have control yeah. over. Because I think, like <laughs> like you said, one of the huge stresses for most people is like other people. And there's not much you can do about other people sometimes. All you can do is you can create boundaries and where you don't have to interact with certain people, just don't. So, Mm. yeah. I mean, an example that comes to mind, so I'm really big on my personal space and I hate public transport for that reason because that all sense goes out of people's head. Um, When I used to like want to like argue with everyone, like why you sat right next to me when it's an empty carriage kind of thing, I'm now just... I'll just get up and move. I don't want to have to engage in conversation with another person that's probably going like, to argue back or have an attitude. So, I mean, it's a learning process. Sometimes I do just want to tell people about themselves. But yeah, that's one way. Mm. And I guess Corona has helped with that somewhat as well, because you can just kind of use no. Corona as an excuse to be like, you know, what, let me just move. Or I don't even want to talk to you. And you can just be like, it's not even it's not even me being rude thing, it's just like a corona thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like corona and not sensing to people, but you get on the tube now, people are wearing their mask like, underneath their nose or just covering their chin, or some people just have it wrapped around their arm. And then they'll like come right next to you, even if there's space. I'm like, how do you know I don't have COVID? Like, go away. I think people get separation things. I don't know. I can't explain it, but it's mad. I'm going to get stressed about it. <laughs> Let's change the topic then. To <laughs> <reduce it. clears throat> um, yeah, I didn't have any more. I think that was quite a nice wrap-up, a nice well-rounded view of things. Um, one thing I will say is free up Britney, isn't it? Um, if oh, you don't know yes, when... <laughs> free Britney. I did, you know what, that came to my mind to talk about, but it would just make me too angry. You, you, wanted to, you wanted to reduce the stress, so you thought, no. Nah. But yes, free Britney. And it's just evidence our justice system, well, not out, the US justice system, I'm not saying the UK doesn't, needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yep, indeed. Justice is a very flimsy word in some parts. Yeah, of the world. I thought that as I said it. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, Aisha. Thank you very much for joining us on this uh, beautiful day um that was kind of stretch it's slightly overcast mm-hmm. but it was kind of warm no, it's yes. so it's not raining so it's beautiful fuck it okay. <laughs> um, if you haven't checked us out check us out immediately no ain't a black no i ain't a print black print media everywhere um and check out our latest article on on what is a conservatorship um and kind of what that means for Britney Spears' situation and also what the UK's take on conservatorship is because we have slightly different rules to the US, which I didn't know before. Um, so yeah, make sure you check that out. Otherwise, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks, people. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Peace. Bye.